1: That's right. Another week and the Eagles are now five and one as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 115. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films to discuss our thoughts on the Eagles' huge win last Thursday night in prime time against the Carolina Panthers. That game had a playoff vibe to it for sure and Greg and I have a lot to say after reviewing the tape from both sides of the ball. We will also jump right ahead into this week's huge matchup against the Washington Redskins and everything that they present on both sides of the football. Before we get into scouting report where I'll break down a player that could be in for an increased role this Monday night due to an injury for the Redskins. But before we get into all that, let's not waste any more time. I was joined by Greg Cosell earlier Tonight to talk about the big win over Carolina and the upcoming battle with the Redskins. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. That's right, we're back. Another edition here of Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye on the Sky podcast. I'm Fran Duffy, joined by Greg Cosell, of course, you guys already know that. Uh, Greg, it's been a long break since Thursday night football. Well, not uh, for me, not for you, <laughs> but for, for Eagles fans, right, it's been a right, long right, break. It <laughs> feels like forever since the game it was an outstanding game. I said earlier, it felt like playoff football that game. It had a playoff feel to it, just because of how physical uh, on both sides. Gritty. That this, it was a it was a, a really really fun game to watch.
0: More grit than glitter, friend. More spit than polish, as they say. I, as sure John Facenda used to say, <laughs>
1: the golden voice. That's of right. That's uh, right. Going back and watching the film, uh, I'm sure you did early on this weekend. Obviously, did. with uh, The game being Thursday night. Uh, initial impressions, I, I guess going back to the big thing with, with Carson Wentz, and we'll start there on offense, and that's really the, the topic we start with every week. Outstanding on third down once again, but uh, overall, what were your thoughts of Carson? Go back watching the film.
0: You know, it's funny. You talked about the playoff atmosphere and the yeah. physical and, and emotional intensity of that game, and I thought that given that, I thought Wentz played well. He was not as sharp throwing the football as he'd been over the last two or three weeks prior. I would agree. Uh, particularly early in the game, he missed some throws. But I thought that as the game progressed, uh, he settled a bit into the game, and that to me really shows his his mental toughness, his ability to put uh, bad throws behind him and play to the moment because that game was as you said there was there was a physical intensity that you could feel watching it on TV for sure, and i 'm sure the emotional intensity was just as strong uh, and when all was said and done, you know, I, I used the word before, but it was a gritty performance by Wentz. Not his best performance in terms of, you know, the traits and the way he threw it, but a very gritty performance on the road against a very good defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, you saw him stand in the pocket and take hit I after that. hit after I hit. Lo- I love that. Some of the plays that he made also just sliding in the pocket. You saw the yep. one on a third down conversion where – he almost looks like he's sprinting to his right, but it was not sprinting like a guy that the universal sign of not knowing what he's doing. It was sprinting with a purpose. Right. He, he ran to his right for three yards, found that open throwing lane, and hits the, the receiver for a first down. And then the, the play late in the game, a huge third down conversion. To long to Mac Hollins yep. was just outstanding. I think uh, that you, was
0: third and 16, was it? It was third and
1: 16. And yeah. what I thought was really cool about that play was earlier in the game, The Eagles gave – I think it was the second sack that they gave up was off a chip protection where the only person accounting for the edge defender coming off the edge off the right side was one chipper, and it was the tight end. He chips and releases – and there was no one there to pick him up. LeGarrette Blunt had his focus in the middle of the field, and no one was there to take off the edge defender. He ends up getting a hit on Carson Wentz and was a sack. On that play, it was the same exact protection. I want to say it was Zach Ertz was was releasing late there. He chips off the edge defender. Carson sees that guy coming, subtly steps up in the pocket, and hits, it hits Mac Hollins. For a first down, I thought that was just outstanding.
0: Uh, big time. And, and he's really shown the ability even. That one was a little more defined and clear, the movement. But he's shown some real subtle movement as well, where he literally just takes a step to the left. And, yep. and that might seem like nothing when you're watching the game, but it really means something. And it becomes very noticeable when you watch tape. Just a, a small step navigating within the pocket just to find that spot that's a little more quiet and a little more comfortable to deliver the football.
1: What did you think overall of the, the, just the, the pressure that Carolina bought? Was it something oh. that you had seen, and did they do anything different? I mean, it was definitely higher volume. I was seemed, surprised by that. I, I know
0: you watch them every week. I was surprised by their blitz frequency. Uh, it wasn't so much the nature of the pressures, but I think that their new coordinator, Steve Wilkes, who's uh, replaced Sean McDermott, I think he's putting his stamp on this defense a little bit. And now after that game, I believe Carolina is second or third in the league in terms of blitz percentage. But, no, I was surprised watching the game uh, at their blitz frequency. I, I did not expect that.
1: Do you think that was more because of Vitai? Was it the nature of the game? You know, it's not like well, everything was targeting Vitai. Uh, there, there were a few different things. The majority things of
0: their pressure, again, You don't know if they do it because it's Vitae, but the majority of their pressures attack the right side of the Eagles' formation. So it could be Vitae. It could be the fact that they wanted someone to help. You know, sometimes you pressure because you want a back to stay in or you want a tight end to stay in. And if both have to stay in, then you're reducing the number of eligible receivers by two, and then the the defense has an advantage right away because now there's only three primary receivers as opposed to potentially five. So blitzing and pressure schemes are not always about sacking the quarterback. Sometimes they're about limiting the options in the pass game.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that uh, the, really the production wasn't necessarily there for Zach Ertz in the first half. And you could say, well, he was kept in the chip a, a good amount. And that At one point, he, he had two the catches field. and
0: both were touchdowns, but he only had two catches. Right,
1: right exactly right. And I think that was uh, that's actually a theme we can get to a little bit later in right. the show for a different reason. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I think, I thought that was really interesting just to see how they handled some different things. Um, Carolina did a lot in terms of sometimes it was a, a linebacker in the B game. Yep. Sometimes it was guys off the edge. Sometimes they mixed some things up on the inside. We saw the split mug front. We saw the five over five. We saw a lot of different looks from right. the team. And I thought... Uh, they, put, they challenged not just Carson Wentz, but the entire Eagles offensive front.
0: And they obviously felt that that was more important than coverage because obviously they're not a high-percentage man team. They were playing with Colin Jones at safety in their base. Obviously on third down they brought in Jarris Bird, who's a more athletic, free-safety type. But they obviously felt it was more important to pressure and it's and you're not just pressuring Carson Wentz, right. you're pressuring the pass game, the protection. Uh, they obviously felt it was more important to do that than to sit back in coverage.
1: Yeah, and then you look at the run game. Uh, Le'Carre Blunt ran hard. He once sure again. did. Uh, there were and the, the Eagles' double teams in the inside zone game were outstanding again in this game. I mean, there were a couple negative runs there uh, for Blunt where there was a free runner, but I mean, I drew up some shots today. You know, with the help of Ben Fennel uh, here at Novacare, where. We we just you could see the the movement you know that Jason Peters and Stefan Wisniewski and then Jason Kelsey and Brandon Brooks were able to generate a couple the of inside. times
0: they moved short uh, and and he's a good player but they really moved him yeah and then when you do that you you drop him in the lap in the lap of the linebacker and then the linebacker can't make a play either no question and of course we saw the wham game saw that a few times saw yeah. that a few times it was effective again
1: yeah and the beauty of that of course is to get. LeGarrette Blunt moving downhill immediately. You create that instant crease uh, for him and, to just kind of hit it up and inside. the
0: second part of that is it gets the O-lineman right up to the second level. Yep,
1: absolutely. Yeah. So we, we definitely saw that once again. Greg, when you watch this team, and they're number one third down, and that's really one, been one of the big stories – What is that? I mean, it's not like they completely revamped everything they did schematically from a year ago. You're not seeing a whole lot more in terms of rub routes and different isolation routes to try and get guys open. To me, they're running similar schemes. I just think across the board you're seeing a higher level of execution, and a lot of that goes to Carson Wentz as well. I would
0: agree with that because on third down in particular, uh, true on any down, but on third down in particular, you must eliminate what's not there and isolate what is there very quickly. And I think Carson Wentz is better at that now than he was a year ago. Uh, As we've said, he's thrown the ball overall far more accurately this year. Uh, And they've spread out the third-down numbers. We did a breakdown uh, at NFL Films uh, today preparing for the matchup show this week because, obviously, Washington-Philly will be one of our marquee games. It might even be our big board game. Um, Spoiler alert. There you go. (laughs) Um, So... uh, uh, you know, we, we, I think Ertz has, I think, 11 third-down catches. I think uh, Jeffrey, I think, has 10 or 9. Aguilar, I think, has 8. I mean, it, it's been spread out pretty evenly. Uh, Torrey Smith, I think, only has 4 or 5, but obviously one of them was the long touchdown a few weeks ago against Arizona. So it's really been spread out among three players pretty evenly.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting looking at – you know Zach Ertz who 's been <clears throat> such a big part of this offense obviously is a leading r- receiver in terms of the tight end position around the NFL he 's been outstanding on third down you just met a six of eight four touchdowns for Zach Ertz on third down down in the red zone eleven targets for or eleven catches off sixteen targets yeah three touchdowns. overall yeah yes, overall. Overall. I mean, he's been he's been outstanding uh, leads the NFL in terms of targets receptions touchdowns uh, first down catches for the tight end position. Uh, and the Eagles just doing a great job of stringing long drives together. That's you know, the, the, the other thing
0: that I think we have to point out about Carson Wentz on third down, and this is so critical, is the one thing we've seen him do much better this year, which is just his growth and development as a young quarterback, is come off a first read and go to a second read. Because I can see in my mind certain plays this year, and I can't remember the specific opponents for these plays, where he looked left and then came back right and maybe oh, yeah. hit Ertz in the middle of the field. You know, and, and when it's third it's a and nine... Ertz
1: touchdown. Wasn't third down, but just the play where he's he's looking over to his left. Yeah, had that high low concept yes, going yes, to his left, yes. and he works back to yes. the first and it was outstanding. Yes,
0: yes. Uh, but even just in general, yeah. you know, where because don't forget, sometimes third down conver- conversions are not highlight plays. Yeah. If it's third and eight, and you get nine yards, you know what? You move the chains, and that's an, and that's a big play in a game.
1: You know what? The other thing too with him, watching over the course of this early part of the season, some of his best throws are the ones he doesn't make, and we've highlighted some of that on the in the column and on Twitter. The one thing that we didn't mention with that uh, the third down conversion of Mac Hollins was that Nelson Aguilar read blitz immediately. He knew that there was, that his man was coming and he cut his route off. He was the hot receiver and Carson looked at him, but it was third and eight, a critical point in the game, and he knew that you know this is what the defense wants. The defense wants me to throw this three yard pass and to then Nelson he'll get Aguilar tackled and we'll punt and we'll punt and he held on to the ball and he's like you know what Mac Holland's going to yeah. he's going to uncover for me he steps in the pocket delivers that ball
0: well that's the thing about Wentz. he has a very interesting balance and sometimes he crosses the line sure. but he has a very interesting balance of of uh, aggression versus what would be the right word you know smart so to speak you know every once in a while you'd like to see me to get rid of the ball or th- you know, throw it away, or maybe s- slide. That's just, I guess, not in his DNA.
1: When he lowered his shoulder into oh. safety. <laughs> I listen. Me personally, I'll take it, man. I yeah. I, I love the. Well, I thought Romo said was
0: right. He said you love that, but it's kind of silly. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it, and both of those things are true. Right,
1: exactly, right. So, uh, moving on to the defensive side, this defense it just has a different feel when number I know 91's it stood out to team. me. I mean, uh, ninety when ninety one's on the field. He's, he's The defense is a different level.
0: And, and here's what was fascinating to me watching the tape. The Carolina Panthers have a right guard who's an all-pro who they paid a lot of money to. And, they and it's put, one of
1: the meanest offensive linemen in of football.
0: And they put the burden on him because yeah. they, didn't, they slid away from him. Mm-hmm. And they let him block Fletcher Cox one-on-one. In this particular game, it did not work out very well for Carolina. No, it did because not. Because we remember the play where he caused the interception, but there were numerous so other plays yep. where he just one-on-one beat Trey Turner. Yeah. And no Trey question. Turner is a good football player now. Yep. No. But but Carolina, you know, normally we see teams slide toward Fletcher Cox. They very often slid away from Fletcher Cox, and, and they said, hey, we're going to let our all-pro guard block him.
1: And I think a lot of that, too, we've seen a lot of that this year when Fletcher's been on the field – is what Jim Schwartz and that defensive staff has done to really kind of force a defense's hand. you know? Because on that interception, the Eagles lined up in one of their nickel sub-packages where it was three defensive ends on the field. You had Chris Long to one side next to Cox, and then on the other side, you had Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett. Right. And the offense chose to slide the protection towards that 2-D end side because you know, they can run a lot of different things off right, of that. Right, right. But then also, you had Jordan Hicks lined up directly over the center, just more candy more I can right. take away from Fletcher He kind of just
0: showed up and then backed out. Ex- but, you, but you can't – you have to – You have to account for you him. You have to account for him. You can't say, nah, he's not going to come. And then if he does come, you're in trouble.
1: I just – I love everything that they've done this yeah. year because it's definitely – it's got a different feel to it, especially when Cox is in the game. But it's got a different feel to it in terms of all the different things they're doing from a front standpoint. Right,
0: right. No, they really are. Because from a coverage standpoint, I wouldn't really say they're doing anything that elaborate. Yeah, but, I agree. But – and even up front – you know, there's the occasional stunt there. You know, they they blitz on occasion. This past week against Carolina, the majority of their blitzes I thought were zero blitzes. Other than that, they didn't mm-hmm. blitz very much. And they've been effective with those zero blitzes this year. Yeah. Um, but uh, even going back to the Redskin game week one when they got Cousins to play fast yep. and, and, and actually miss a routine throw, that turned into a Jalen Mills interception. Yeah, it was cover zero. Yeah, there. yeah. But... Uh, uh, so they're not high percentage blitz, and they don't play a lot of exotic coverages or hybrid coverages. But it's up front where they're really, really good.
1: You made a good point. I, I actually never thought about. They're not running as many stunts this year.
0: No, you not as many. As much. No, just once in a while.
1: Yeah, that's. Uh, th- I never thought about that. It's, it's. I, you know, you don't want to say wholesale change of philosophy, but just a lot different. Looking back to last year, where you know the the fronts were maybe more basic, but right. you saw a little bit more in terms of movement after the snap. This year, it's just a lot more in terms of moving personnel around and trying to mess with an offensive protection yep. scheme before the snap of the football. Um, Tim Jernigan, outstanding again, yep. I thought. And I thought it, Vinny Curry played well. Vinny Curry had one of it. I thought that Derek Barnett, it wasn't like he had a great, an outstanding right. game and his, the half sack that he got wasn't a great rush. But I thought it was his best game in the regular season. To me, like he, just, he strung together more uh, consistent, more effective rushes He's more feeling Harry's, his way. He, I think he's he, getting better. Using his hands, I think, has yeah. been the issue. Yeah. You know, there have been times where you could see he's just kind of, he's not using his hands to try and beat those tackles off the edge. And, you know, in the NFL, you're not going to get away with that in a consistent No, case.
0: because he's not dynamically explosive. He's not a bend. I mean, he can bend, but of he's course. not one of those great benders. So you're right. Hand usage for him is critical.
1: Yeah. And so watching him, I thought that he, the, uh, I'm trying to remember the, now the exact play. Um, was an outs- There was a huge hit that he delivered. It was one of his best rushes of the year. I want to say there was a penalty called on the play, um, but Derek Barnett, I thought, uh, had his best game. And just across the front, all those guys. Vinnie Curry, like you said, was outstanding against the run. I mean, this team was outside of a couple breakdowns in the quarterback run game from the option standpoint with Cam. But the they, conventional
0: runs were forget about. They had it. no chance.
1: None. Yeah. You know, I mean, they completely. They, dominated. Down. they dominated. They dominated. Inside, outside. Yeah. One back, two back. Yeah. Didn't matter in this no. game. No. Yeah, and that's and when you can when you can make an offense one dimensional, especially when it's Cam Newton, uh, and you make them one dimensional, I, I think that that really can play in your favor and work for them on Thursday. Night. And
0: I want to give you a player that I think has been a little overlooked and unsung, maybe not in, in the building here, but just talking about the Eagles' defense. I think Patrick Robinson fits that category. I agree. Patrick Robinson has played the slot. He pl- he's now playing outside a lot more, and we rarely ever talk about Patrick Robinson getting beat. Yeah. I mean he's played well.
1: And it was a rough summer for him. Yeah. In training camp. Th-
0: Excuse me. We thought he might not make the team at one yeah. point. I remember being down here at training camp talking to you and we were wondering if he'd make the team.
1: It seemed like the Eagles receivers were like lining up, running into line to take turns right. going up against Patrick Robinson yeah. and he's he's been outstanding all, all, all fall. And it's been really fun to watch. And Nigel Bradham, I thought, might have had his best he game as the Eagle. He's played
0: really, really well. And he really I well. thought
1: he got off to kind of a slow start yeah. this year. The last two, three I weeks he he's played. been outstanding.
0: Really good football this Run week. Run game and pass game. Yeah.
1: Uh, inside, outside. He looks really to
0: me like a, a – I'm surprised to say this, but he, just on tape he looks like a more explosive athlete than he did a year ago. I mean, When he shot – when they, they ran that jet
1: action and they ran the crack toss the other way and he shot his gun and he got downfield immediately. Yeah. I mean, that was that was yeah. great closing speed from the backside. No, outstanding. Uh, he's
0: he's played well.
1: Yeah. Uh, Nigel Bradham's been outstanding. It's been a really fun defense to watch and uh, hopefully with reinforcements coming soon in the secondary – uh, I think everybody 's really excited about what this defense can be moving forward, but um let 's move now to the Washington Redskins a team that uh, the Eagles were able to beat in week one, but it really have been a, t- a tough out for this Eagles team over the last few years. A different kind of profile from what we 've seen over the last couple of years one well, undefined. yeah and that 's one going back and watching them you know they they don 't have a very distinct rhythm they don 't get i remember watching them the last couple of years. Yeah. You watch and you're like, man, they're they're putting play after play after play together. It, it's really just got a feel, a rhythm, and you're not really seeing that right now. It, but they're still putting up numbers. They're still producing not just in the win column, but overall, their offensive numbers are still pretty good. And it's
0: funny you say that because I think that's hard for people to sort of visualize when you say that their offense is lacking rhythm. But I know exactly what you mean because I see the same thing. They're not running the ball very well. That's an issue, and they were able to run the ball much better last year. Uh, I don't know what Rob Kelly's status is for the game Monday night. But uh, clearly they're not set on some IGP Ryan as their back because Chris Thompson was essentially their back this week and he played in in base personnel packages. Uh, the pass game, I don't get a feel. You don't really get a feel that Pryor is a big factor. Doxson is not Coming necessarily along, yeah. a big factor. Uh, y- you just don't feel that there's – Like last year, you kind of knew what you were going to get on a weekly basis. You don't really feel that watching them right now.
1: So watching them, you know, I'm saying all the same things. And I I turn to Ben, Ben Fennell, and I go, where do they rank right now? Because he's outstanding with pool numbers. Right, right. So where do they rank right now in terms of explosive plays? Turns out an explosive play, 20-plus yards, they're tied for 13th. I'm like, wow, that's kind of surprising. I wouldn't have expected that. You would have thought
0: they would have been lower. I
1: would have thought they would have been lower because I, you're not—they're right. not the same right. downfield team that we've seen right. in the past. You know, all those downfield. Vernon Davis plays. has had some. Though. He's had a couple. Yeah. But you know what? So many of the this doesn't account for uh, yards after catch. And this team right now, their offense is more based on yards after catch than any team in the NFL uh, through the first five weeks. I don't have the numbers yet from yesterday's game against San Francisco, but 55 percent of their total yards come after the catch in the passing game.
0: I don't think it'll go down because Thompson had a number of plays yesterday. Vernon Davis had that seam ball and that he then ran for another, what, 35 yards? Yep. So I don't think that number will go down. It may go up.
1: And the Eagles are one of the worst teams right now in the NFL. They've given up some long yards after catch. You think of some of these plays we've seen against the Chargers uh, and then also from earlier in the year. They've given up some long catch and runs. Uh, Sterling Shepard was another one. This is going to be a big. This is going to be one of those big games within a game. You, know, Chris Thompson has been dynamic. He's been he's been the focal point of this offense, running the ball, catching the ball. Uh, he's been everything for them. You've got to corral him, and he's been a thorn in the side of the Eagles' defense over the last couple of years.
0: And with him, their screen game is phenomenal. Yeah, and, and that O line. Yeah, oh yeah, Brandon Sheriff. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
1: post some of the shots yeah, later this yeah. week. I mean, it's it's. Outrageous. Well, one of the
0: things that they've been really good at, which we have not seen much this year, and maybe it was a Pierre Garçon thing, and maybe they're hoping Josh Doxson can become that guy, Mm. uh, is the backside dig. Yeah. And that has almost been missing from their arsenal this year. I I mean, maybe there's been one or two, but I don't remember seeing very many. Do you?
1: No, and that's one of the things uh, we talked about coming into the year was, you know, you lose not just the vertical element, but... Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon are pretty precise route runners. And Doxon was that was a question with him coming out of TCU as a rookie. And Pryor is not known as a, as a very no, defined, and, and precise I, route runner
0: either. And I think they're hoping Doxson can become that guy yeah. who can run those dig routes, but it hasn't happened yet.
1: Yeah, that certainly has been something that uh, is going to be interesting to watch. And as you mentioned, Vernon Davis in the vertical passing game, Jordan Reed is a threat uh, at every level of the right. field. But uh, they like to get these tight ends involved. One of the things, though – they play a lot of heavy tight end sets, and they're a big 12, 13 personnel team. They've, the tight ends have kind of hurt them in the run game this year, more so than in other years that I've noticed. You know, and I haven't charted it or anything, but uh, it seems that a lot of their runs that you know, were one block away were because a tight end missed the block, and that was just something that a year ago, that wasn't the right, case. Right. So that's, a, that's been interesting to watch with them as well. Um, but this a line. Trent Williams, he's banged up. He's kind of – I know he's kind of – he's not 100% playing against San Francisco, but he's outstanding. And Brandon Scherf, you mentioned, uh, had a rough you – know, the summer he didn't look great. Uh, he wasn't great. He I didn't thought, look great one. in the preseason, yeah. I didn't think. And then even week one, yeah. I thought the Eagles got the better better of him, but he's still – he's <laughs> an outstanding player. And Spencer Long is healthy now, uh, so they've got a very talented offensive line. And then you go to the defensive side. The numbers are, again, here – are pretty good, but you don't look at them and say, man, like they're, they're really dynamic in this one instance. That, that being said, they've got 16 sacks this year, which is good for, uh, I want to say, their top 10 in the league in terms of their sack numbers. But then also, in the last three outings against the Eagles, so at the beginning of last year, 13 sacks yeah. in three games. So now, I know Jonathan Allen will be out. Yeah, and, and that'll be, that'll be and an issue for yeah. them. Preston Smith has been very good this He's year. He's been
0: very good. He's turned into a nice yeah. player. And Kerrigan is always solid. Yes. Um, and our Temple guy. Has uh, it plays Matt in, Ionitis. Yeah, he plays in their uh, sub packages. Guys relentless. I know the
1: game against the Rams. I think it was week two. I think it was the week after they played us. He made like the first like f- four out of the first five plays, and they were like three right, were right. outside the numbers. Now, he
0: gets a lot of snaps. He plays in the nickel. Yes, he plays. He, he's an inside pass rusher in the nickel. So uh, you know they've uh, uh, they're predominantly a nickel defense. Yep. Um, I would say that they're more single high than two shell. uh, the the they play a lot of cover one on third down. When you get them in the red zone, they then tend to play a lot of two shell, a lot of co- you know red zone cover two. Yep. But in the field, they're they're a little more single high. So I, I mean, you know how to attack them. Yep, and single you know, when
1: they go single high, it seems that the rookie Monte Nicholson, who I didn't study coming out, I did. I knew of him and I saw him at the, in person at the combine. He's he a really little impressed. bit of an
0: athletic freak. Shh. He's impressive. That yeah. pick he had a couple weeks ago yeah. was really he's impressive. He's a little he- bit of an athletic freak with his size and speed. And
1: he had a pass breakup yesterday. I yeah, thought was really really yeah. good too. And then they have DJ Swearinger who rolls yeah. down, who's essentially a box player. He's a but box player. but yeah. you know,
0: it'll be interesting to see when they do play man, and they're not a pure man team, but obviously everybody plays man. What they do, I mean, normally he's the tight end matchup. Every once in a while, there's a, there's a linebacker depending on what the coverage is, but Swearinger's normally the tight end matchup. If the Eagles felt going into the Cardinals game that they could match up Ertz on Branch and feel good about it, they're going to feel pretty good about the Ertz-DJ Swearinger matchup. Don't I you think?
1: I would agree. I would agree. And then they've done such a good job, the Eagles, of creating those yeah. isolated matchups for yep. him down in the red zone. We saw it against Branch in Arizona. We saw it last week on his first touchdown. It was basically was, the same concept. That was a corner, too, that yeah. he was matched against. And It was the ba- it was basically yeah. the same yeah. concept. Yep. Different, Slightly different formation, yep. different side of the field, um, but basically the same concept wouldn't surprise me at all if we saw something similar. So, uh, yeah, I would agree. I think that would be a matchup that they would feel pretty good about. But um, this pressure scheme, for sure, they try and do a lot of different things, uh, especially trying to get – try and put running backs in stress, you know, in protection, and that's one of the big things that they do.
0: And I think that that's, you know, ideally critical when you're playing the Eagles. I mean, it was very critical when Sproles was there. Um, Do we know about Smallwood yet for this week?
1: Uh, no, not yet, Okay, not yet, so that not as of Monday night. Because
0: clearly if he plays, uh, he's he can be a very, very good receiver, so to play off your point, you'd want to try to keep him in the backfield as a pass protector. Sometimes that's the reason you blitz. It's not necessarily, you know, obviously if you sack the quarterback, that's great, yep. but sometimes the objective in blitzing is to force the offense to have to keep the running back in to pass protect.
1: Yeah, and that's actually, I meant to get to that point earlier with Thompson, Thompson is a great pass protector. He is. Um, but you're probably better off trying to blitz to keep him in. Right, right, right. <laughs> he is uh, trying to get him out in space, and that's something that uh, he's absolutely able to do. But you're probably better off doing that. So uh, it's going to be a fun matchup. Prime time, Monday night football. Division game. You division know, It's game. a
0: division game. We can. The Eagles are playing well, yes, and, and uh, they're, you know, they're playing at a high level overall as a team. But division games have a funny way of playing out.
1: This, uh, if this weekend in the NFL has told you nothing – it's that anything can happen in this league on any given Sunday or Monday. So we will see. All right, Greg Cosell, appreciate the time mm-hmm. here, as always, on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We will talk to you again next week. Thanks, Fran. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him just like I do on Twitter at Greg Cosell, and while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and give us a rating or even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out to Rich Bobby who went – and gave us a great shout-out on Twitter, telling everybody to listen to the show. So thanks again to Rich and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, let's keep the show going. We talked earlier about this Redskins defense, and we didn't talk too much about the secondary where – you know, we know Josh Norman. He's coming off the rib injury. He's up in the air for Monday night. Bashad Breland, he hurt his knee this past week against San Francisco. He's up in the air for Monday night. What could that mean? Well, it we could see rookie third-round pick Fabian Moreau, rookie defensive back out of UCLA, in the starting lineup. And for that reason, he's going to be the subject this week in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so Fabian Moreau, six foot and a half, two hundred and six pounds. Former high school running back went to UCLA, converted to corner, and became a four-year starter in the secondary there for the Bruins. Had an injury his red-shirt junior year, or it might have been his true senior year, twenty fifteen. He's missed a lot of time. It was a little bit slow coming back to twenty sixteen, but lined up at both cornerback spots throughout his career. I actually watched him for three years there at UCLA. He's tall. He's well built. So he's got some good length. He's physical at the line of scrimmage and press coverage. And he tries to maul wide receivers if he gets locked on early in the down he tries to win with strength and physicality and while he can get beat off the ball due to a lack of technical refinement he's got the physical traits to be very very good in press coverage at the line of scrimmage I thought and then going back at the numbers one of the top athletic testers at the cornerback position in Indianapolis regardless of size even though yeah he's a big kid and he might it's not just he just tested well for a big corner he tested extremely well across the board for the cornerback position he understands leverage in the run game he's a good run defender he sets a hard edge and he will come up and make a tackle on the on the outside does a good job of getting off blocks and he's reliable as a tackler looks to get the ball on the ground has a knack for creating turnovers in the run game and he was also a really good blitzer off the edge as well Now, I was really blown away by his combine numbers because from a negative side, I didn't see a guy that was that kind of athlete on tape. I didn't think he played to 4-3-5. I didn't think he was an explosive kid in the open field. Uh, To me, I thought he labored a little bit and changed direction. I thought it was just more from an instinctive standpoint. He got undercut a little bit more than I would have liked in man coverage. He didn't display, to me, great instincts at the top of the route. And I just saw a guy that was also a little bit late to react to balls thrown in his direction. For a guy with his size and speed, he was out of phase. And that, what do I mean by out of phase? Mainly in a trail position on vertical routes. For a guy with his physical tools, I would have expected him to be more in the hip pocket of a receiver on a more consistent basis. I just didn't see that. And to me, that was a combination of technique and then also instincts and overall just awareness of the position and that was a question for me finding the football down the field was another and so when you're talking about a guy that you know the technique may not be there the instincts the ball skills I had some questions he was a little bit grabby he was called for one penalty I thought it could have been a little bit more last year as a senior but overall this kid is toolsy man I mean he, he's really flashed this summer and then also this fall Uh, He was really physical at the line of scrimmage, like I mentioned, and and when you have those tools, you have that speed, uh, at least from a time standpoint. I had question about his ball skills and and whether or not he can take coaching. I thought that if he could take coaching, this kid's got a ceiling of a high-end starter, and I wrote that down in the spring, was he's got extremely high upside, but can he reach that upside? To me, he had a floor as a fourth corner and great special team. Where he is right now, it's a matter of how much better is he going to get. He's got the tools to be outstanding, and this will be a great opportunity for him if he is thrust into the starting lineup in nickel or in base for this Washington football team on Sunday, on Monday night uh, it'll be a big opportunity for the rookie corner but uh, again very very toolsy it's a matter of consistency and making sure that he's in the right place at the right time so thanks again to Greg Cosell and everybody out there for listening here for another edition of the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast I'm Fran Duffy we will talk to you next week after a huge hopefully Eagles win thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you next week